Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. Okay, everybody, we are going to get it together. We are getting organized. I have Robin Reynolds in studio with me, and by in studio, I mean this small room off of our new garage, which to paint a picture for all of our listeners, uh, there's a blanket on the wall. I haven't gotten our like fancy panels up yet. Robin Reynolds is staring into this beautiful French door into the hell of our garage. There's about 7,000 boxes that have not been unpacked. And let's be honest, Robin, it's got to <laughs> bug you a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> Okay, so here's a little bit about Robin before we get started. In 2008, Robin stepped out as a first-time entrepreneur and created her professional organizing company, Organized to Harmonize, with the intent to manage the mundane, simplify the complexities of everyday life, and bring harmony to your home or office. In addition to being quoted in the Huffington Post and Women's Day Magazine, among others, Robin has also worked on the television show Hoarders, everybody. Uh, And I'm not going to read the long list here, but basically she has every organization certification ever. On Twitter, you are the Diva Organizer. Yes. So what's Diva short for? Diva stands for Dynamic, Inspiring, Vivacious, and Authentic. Boom. I'm so grateful that my girlfriend, Leanne, who has two little ones, when she found out that I was on modified bed rest and that we were moving, she was like, uh, you need to call Robin immediately and figure it out. You need to call Robin immediately. So uh, we moved all our stuff ourselves. As you guys heard a couple weeks ago, <laughs> we had a moving company come, but Adam did about 12 trips because we didn't really trust our glassware packing. So he got a U-Haul truck and moved it all. But then we were in this new place, and I'm not supposed to lift heavy things. And we had about 20 boxes in the kitchen, and... Kind of had a fairy godmother moment, everybody, because Robin came over and she unpacked our entire kitchen. And I'm telling you guys, bed rest is like the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) Modified bed rest, I'll say. So I want to start off by asking, you know, what do you say to the mom who has a dysfunctional kitchen setup or who is staring at those 20 boxes that she needs to unpack? And she's feeling paralysis over making decisions about where things should go. What do you say to her? Like, how do you kickstart her into action? Well, first you have to figure out what it is that you're using every day. What do you need hands-on that you can get to readily? So you want to put all your everyday dishes and things like that as close to the dishwasher as possible. Because when you take it out of the dishwasher, you don't want to walk clear across the kitchen and put it away. You want to put it right in the cabinet that's closest to you, as well as the glasses, mugs for coffee, all of that kind of thing. And then pots and pans should go near the stove because that's where you're using them. Again, it's a matter of being easily accessible. That's the most important thing. And with your appliances, if you use a toaster every day, there's no point in keeping it in a cabinet. You might as well just keep it on top of the counter because you're going to need it all the time. 
You know, so there are certain appliances that you use all the time that you want out. But, you know, something like your big giant KitchenAid mixer, if you're only baking cookies once a month, you don't need that big giant thing. once every five years, but it's pink and it's really cute. And it's pink and it's cute. (laughs) And you have the space for it. So, (laughs) But but the mixer's been broken for like five years. (laughs) But that's beside the point. It's pink and it's cute. That is not my my rule, but... Um, but that kind of stuff you don't necessarily need accessible. You just want the things that are accessible or that you're using all the time accessible. I'm so excited every morning about our coffee station because that was also a really cool idea to put all of your mugs on one shelf and then below that is our drawer with all the coffee and teas and then right next to that is the coffee maker. And it makes so much sense, like you're saying, to keep yeah. things categorized and so that they have a home all together because we spent nine years in our other house sort of going back and forth with every... And again, it's easy access because the machine now is right under where the the mugs live with the sugar and whatever else and the coffee filters and the coffee so that it's right there and you can access it all very easily. And when you were taking out our glassware that we don't use, we have a really incredible friend uh, who moved out of state and he gave us all this beautiful glassware that we'll use someday when I entertain <laughs> 20 that years. someday. <laughs> someday, I know. You probably have a lot of thoughts on the someday glassware. But you had a really great point about making sure each piece of glass touches. Like we end up sort of separating things out and think we don't have enough room when really it's a matter of playing Tetris with what we do have. Well, depending on how much space you have, you want to maximize the space that you do have because even you have a you know a pretty good amount of space for the glassware that was going in there or the barware really. But if yeah, you let's be honest. <laughs> but if you actually you know leave a lot of space in between because you think that you should, then you're not going to be able to fit as much in there. The whole thing is no matter what you're doing is to maximize the space because mm-hmm. I don't care how big a space is you will end up filling it up over time. You got me this kitchen knife block made out of cork, and you kind of just like stick all the big knives in there, and I couldn't get them all to fit. And you were like, well, you just stagger the knives, Ellie. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, because I had all the handles like on the same plane, let's say, and you were like, no, just have some, you know, stick some knives further in, some knives further out. And I was like, oh, this is like magic. You know, it's just really funny because I think the gift of professional organizers is that the vision that we're able to see. Because I heard a statistic somewhere that only 5% of the people actually can see beyond what's in front of them. And it is just a matter of that. You know, jokingly, we all say we have the gift, you know, we were born with the gift. But it is just tweaking things just to make it work, wh- how, wh- whatever that means and however that looks. It's really just tweaking it. And that's all we did is just tweaked it. So we staggered it so that it would all fit. So I'm assuming you were the weird kid growing up who would, like, organize everything. I'm not weird. Not weird at all. No. So what if I decided to organize and rearrange rooms at 11 at night? What, what of it? <laughs> What's wrong with that? It's like, Grandma, let's switch rooms. Okay, it's midnight. Grandma, get out of your room. I'm switching rooms. Would you really? Yeah. Would would you find uh, peace in doing that? Is it was it a coping mechanism? No, it was fun. It was fun. 
I get bored in my house now and I'm like, hmm, what can I reorganize? My daughter hates me because on rainy days when we're in the house and we're just bored, I'm like, guess what time it is? She's like, oh, no, because she knows that means we're going to reorganize something. Oh, we're going to go all through her toys in our room mm-hmm. and get rid of stuff. And she hates it. How old is she? She's 12. But this has been going on, you know, forever. Forever. <laughs> is she good at organizing? Like when you visit her dorm when she's in college. No. My daughter's a hoarder. Yeah. So she likes to hold. And I don't know if that's a kid thing. Of course, because her mother was always rebellion. taking everything away. <laughs> but she will take anything. Like if I... She has attachment issues <laughs> to her things because mom would have a rainy day. <laughs> exactly. No, all kidding aside. She, I, maybe it's just a kid thing because kids like to collect stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure at some point that she will say, I don't need this anymore. At least I'm praying anyway. That's great. So, with the kids collecting things, I want to ask about the backseat of my car because it's always a mess. And now that we're going to have a second baby in the backseat, how do you keep that space organized? The good thing about life now is that the organizing business is like a multi-billion dollar business. You can find things to organize anything. So literally, there are organizers that you can buy that will, you know, whether it's a container that'll sit in the back in the uh, trunk or the back of an SUV or something with pockets that you can put stuff in, or they also have things that are hang off of the back seat of the car for games and books and DVDs and all kinds of things. I mean, not so much maybe DVDs anymore because we're kind of veering away from that with streaming and everything. But you can find something to organize every single thing you can imagine. So that's a great way to... So I don't have an excuse anymore? Pretty much. (laughs) Mostly it's the trash. Oh, God. A few weeks ago... There are garbages for cars. um, Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Seriously, there you mean are other than just the gas station purge I do like once yes, every other there week. There actually is a little trash that you can buy that fits into the car. That's impressive. That's crazy. That but is it's crazy. true. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I opened my glove compartment box and I found a bag of popcorn I had forgotten. About. <laughs> in the glove compartment. <laughs> Yeah, like in the, the console. Oh, the console in between, you know. next. You're lucky that was the only access. thing you found was popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and had some friends in there with it. growing. <laughs> um, okay, and so when I leave the car, and I've got the diaper bag, this is me looking forward to this fall again. Man, I, it's been so wonderful having years without a diaper bag, and I'm mm-hmm. back in it. There are like 20 pockets in these diaper bags, and I can I never remember. You love pockets? I do, because it helps to so organize. frustrating, because I never know where, which pocket I put what in. Well, you can always label them, or you can color code them in some kind of way, even if it's a dollop of, of uh, nail polish. Mm-hmm. You know, but, and you don't have to take everything with you. You know, it's really funny, because I think of... Those commercials where, you know, the first kid, you carry everything on the planet and everything is like sterile and whatever. And by the second kid or third kid, it's like it falls into a a pile of dirt. You just kind of brush it off and give it back to them, you know. And so you don't really carry as much with you the second time because you really know what you need now. That's true. So you really should be having less and less that, you know, you kind of take a diaper and a wipe and you're good. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, you're right. And a snack for mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a, a listener who wrote on my Facebook wall uh, recently about how much she appreciated listening to the podcast while she was, she's a children's book illustrator and she was feeling stressed out because she's going to have her baby in the next couple of weeks. And she feels like she should be reading about nursing and, you know, putting together the, you know, the changing table. And I wrote back, you know, you're doing exactly what you should be doing, listening to the podcast, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> what you should be doing, which is focusing on the work or the things that make you calm and happy in the calm before the storm, the changing table will get addressed eventually, mm-hmm. or you just put the pad on the floor, which is what we ended up, you know, yeah, reverting to anyway. Um, and so I think you're right. I think I'm remembering all of the equipment as a first-time mom, I'm sure that I will surprise myself in how much I've been able to sort of shed a lot of yeah. that. Because you realize what you really need and what you don't need. You don't need pacifier wipes. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, my daughter, we moved when my daughter was a year and a half. And at that year and a half, I was like, I am not putting that damn crib back together. She has been in a bed since she was a year and a half. And an adult full-size bed since she was a year and a half. Because I was like, I'm not putting this damn crib together. And if I had another kid, which at the time before the divorce, we were thinking about it. I was like, they'd be in like a drawer or something. I'm not (laughs) getting a crib. It's the most annoying thing in the world to me. Because it doesn't fit through doorways. You always have to assemble it and disassemble it. Exactly. It's just annoying. I would have had to figure out something else. A hammock, something. (laughs) Let's get into closets. I love closets. I design closets. That's my favorite. Yeah, they're a circle of hell for most of us. <laughs> no, you know, we look on Pinterest and it seems like we should be walking into a miniature boutique every morning. But most of us, you know, you just get what you need. You're frustrated that you didn't get around to organizing or cleaning it up. You see stuff on the racks that you never wore, that you feel guilty that you didn't wear, or you see that sweater that was given to you that you know that was expensive, but you won't wear ever. Although I saved a lot of stuff that was too big for me, and then it's gotten a lot of action in maternity wear for me. Which, But I don't know if it's worth saving a sweater for four years so it finally gets its moment. <laughs> and a lot of times people don't know whether or not they're gonna, there's going to be another round of maternity. Right. So, but the thing is with gifts, especially people get really guilty in getting rid of stuff that there was a gift. Once it is in your possession and it is given to you, it is now yours to do whatever you like with it. Whether you like it, whether you've had it use out of it, you've gotten its use out of it, and now you don't need it anymore. It's up to you what you want to do with it because it is now yours and people will, you can't hold that guilt because then people will just hold on to everything they are ever given, which is l- just ludicrous. Amen. If, if a mom wants to tackle her closet today and make it feel a little more like she's at a boutique, what what's a, what's the first thing for her to tackle? In order to organize your closet, the things that I like to do are, first of all, put like with like. So that means all the shirts together, the skirts to de- together, the dresses, yada, yada, yada. Then within that, to color code it so that you can actually see what you have because not only does it make it easier to get dressed, but it also helps when you're shopping because then you know 
that you already have 25 yellow shirts and you don't need a 26th. You know, maybe you need a blue one. So it'll actually tell you because when everything is just jumbled all over the closet, you don't really know what it is that you own. And then you can't find what it is either because you're like, where is that such and such? And you can't find it when it's all together, when all the white shirts are together ah, and all the yellow and the red and the green and the whatever. And it's all together. And even with that, within that, I also break it down by all the sleeveless together and the short sleeve together and the long sleeve together. So, And you use all the same hangers. And all the same hangers. And I love the slimline hangers because it just saves more space. They're very sturdy and they don't, you know, all our silky things or spaghetti strap things, whatever, don't fall off the hangers. So it's not all jumbled up. And they very rarely get tangled in with one another either, which happens a lot of time with definitely wire hangers and then with um, plastic hangers too. And then the other thing that I love, 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 love is I don't, like the shoe boxes that come with the shoes. I like clear shoe boxes and I take pictures of the shoes and put it on the outside. And that way you can stack them because the problem is with shoe boxes when you buy the shoes is that they're all different sizes. So they don't really stack evenly. If you get one type of shoe box, the clear shoe boxes, those will stack their uniform. So they're going to stack evenly. So you can stack them on the shelf above, you can stack them on the floor, you can put in a short shelving unit in the closet and stack them on there. You can do a million different things with them, but that's, it's so, ah, when I look in there. After Robin rescued us with the kitchen, because by the way, there was this awesome meltdown we had that morning before Robin showed up where Adam could not find the coffee stuff in the boxes. (laughs) So it like really (laughs) drove home, like how nice it was. That within a matter of hours that that was taken care of. So then, of course, I begged Robin to come back to help me unpack all of my clothes. Because while Adam did pack up my closet, I didn't want him to unpack it. And it was as good as you imagine. The cutest thing is Sabrina, who is three and a half for new listeners, I'll go in the closet and she'll knock on the door and she'll like say a password and she'll come in and she'll want to pick out a piece of jewelry to wear to dinner. Like she acts like it's a little shop. That and is then hysterical. Adam has some comic books in there, which I know you will straighten them out about, I'm sure, because they do not belong in the closet, <laughs> but they were stacked up. And so then she started pretending like she was Belle and that she was returning her book and that she wanted a new book. And so I'm like... And so then I start doing the lines of like, not since yesterday. <laughs> she's like, I'll borrow this one. But you've read it twice. And so it's become this like really sweet space. Like this three and a half year old has recognized that the, the most orderly, calming spot in our home is my closet right now. Thanks to you. Yay. Yay. So uh, let's get controversial for a moment. Uh Uh-oh. Tell us how you really feel about Marie Kondo. (laughs) Uh, Well, my mother told me if I didn't have anything nice to say, not to say anything at all. Yeah, but that's not good for (laughs) podcasts. You know, I mean. Useless to me. uh, Yeah, right. Uh, Well, the disclaimer, I have not read the book. I have looked at the book because numerous clients always mention her. And I think, I mean, for the most part, I think it's not practical. You know, I mean, everything obviously is not going to spark joy. I don't think it's practical the way that she, it's very time consuming the way that she folds. 
I don't think as busy as life is that you're going to spend that much time folding stuff all the time. But I know that some people do or their housekeepers do or whoever does the laundry or whatever. I mean, it does happen for most people. I don't think it's that practical. I don't um, necessarily think that, you know, when you organize, you're going to go through every single space and find and, you know, start bring everything together because for the most part, you know, do you have screwdrivers all over the house? You know, do you have? A lot of us do. <laughs> <laughs> you know that about us. But, you know, it's like, but that's only if you can find it in the other places because it doesn't already have a home, you know. So I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not a fan, you know. I think she's, you know, she really hasn't said a lot of stuff that really is um, practical. A lot of people like her, obviously. She's made a bucket load of money selling that book and trying to sell others. Most of us, I don't think, are, you know, she she did something at the right at the right place at mm-hmm. the right time. She was in the right place at the right time. Because mm-hmm. there are a couple of things that I know that she does say that obviously make sense, you know, that we all organizers will say is that, you know, it does make you feel good when you're purging stuff. You know, because at the end of it, when you actually are lighter, when you've let go of things and you can actually now see and things are organized, whatever, you do have a sense of calm. So, I mean, that obviously makes sense. And then when she says, you know, don't get so sentimental about things when you're going through it, because also you'll get sidetracked from what you're doing. So in the midst of organizing, if you come across a picture of you know, something from, you know, or your letterman jacket from college or whatever it was, don't get stuck on that thing, you know, just, oh, like nice, but keep moving so that the process keeps moving. Now, again, where I I think it's just kind of weird is when she talks about respecting what it is that you own. It's like, okay, like, how does it make me feel? Like, I'm not sure that things have make me feel any certain kind of way. It's kind of like I like it or I don't but like I it. But I think that's why you're also really good at organizing, probably. Because that's how you see things. Whereas some of us, like, we touch the thing and then we're like, it does bring us back to our old glory days of football or whatever. Like, we become so right. emotionally attached and then we're just like, ugh, I don't want to even deal with all this. I don't want to deal with the jewelry from my past away. Well, you know why that is? It's because people equate an item with either a thing or a person. And they think by getting rid of that item, especially if it belonged to somebody, that they're getting rid of that person. And it's two completely separate things. And that's what's really hard for people to understand. The item, like, I can't even tell you how few things I own of my mother. But because by getting rid of stuff, I'm not getting rid of her. It's not like she's going to now disappear. You know, she's still always in my heart and in my head. So she's not disappearing, but I don't need all her stuff in order for me to, you know, to keep her. And that's what's really hard for people to to differentiate. What I really loved in speaking with you before we started working together was I could I could tell that you were very practical and that we people don't have time and they don't have the energy and you are able to say like this is a problem to address and let's get to it and let's get it over with. You know, it's definitely a luxury to be able to 
have someone help us get organized or unpacked. But at the same time, it's also a necessity too. People don't understand the the um, the real need for it. They do look at it look at it more as a luxury, but it really should be a necessity because it helps in so many different areas mm-hmm. that you know that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But it can and it can really streamline your life, and it really helps with. Uh, agitation. It saves you money. And there's so many real benefits to it, you know, stress levels and, and this, you know. For sure. And I think I had this misconception that if I were to hire an organizer to help me, that the organizer would be so OCD that she'd get lost in the weeds and suddenly, and would be like categorizing the spare buttons that I got on my shirts. Like this was my concern before I called you. And you know because what you're that means? For that, and that's like cons- would be something I'd be like, I can't deal with it. And speaking right. to you, I was like, Oh no, this woman is like gets it done. Yeah. Where do you get your can-do spirit from? Like, how do you walk into a chaotic space and say, like, okay, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna do it quickly and efficiently, and we're gonna make it happen. I don't know where it necessarily comes from. I. It's just always. It's just who I am. You know, I mean, I don't know if people learn that. I don't know. Did I pick it up from my mother and my grandmother? I don't know what I did or where it really came from. But it just kind of is there. <laughs> How would you describe your mom? Uh, oh, God, you're going to make me cry. Um, well, she's not alive anymore. She died a long time ago, but... She's extremely hard worker, very intelligent, funny as all hell, and just loved life, had a lot of secrets, <laughs> but just a really, really amazing woman. And my grandmother was even more amazing because she lived at a time that she was uneducated. She was a single mom. She put my mother through college by herself, working as a washwoman, as in a domestic. And it was funny because growing up, I grew up in Long Island. My grandmother's from Trinidad. And as a kid, she'd always make, you know, she loved Manischewitz wine. She loved uh, matzo bread. She'd make stuffed cabbage. Never thought anything of it. I was like, okay, it's just, this is like normal. Then it just dawned on me like 30 years later. It was because she had worked for all these Jewish families you know, when she was working, that's where she picked up all this stuff. Because I was like, how does this little can, uh, Caribbean woman know anything about, ma- you know, matzo bread and Manischewitz wine? So that's your grandmother. Yeah. What are you hoping that your daughter will reflect back on when she thinks of you someday? Uh, she already does now. Like, my, she's pretty, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Because there's no manual when you get pregnant and have a baby. But she's pretty friggin' incredible. And she tells me all the time, Mommy, you are the best mommy. And I, could, I couldn't have asked for a better mommy. And it's we have a really, really, really close bond that I don't really see changing at all. You sent and, me some photographs that I'll be sharing on our social media. Mm. And they were so fun. And what I really took away from them is that you both look really happy, but like genuinely happy and really happy with like who you are. Mm-hmm. There didn't seem to be any concern about 
you know, how do I look in this shot? Or like, what am I, how am I being perceived? Because mm-hmm. we see all these mom photos these days on yeah. Instagram and stuff. And it's like, you can almost feel that tension. Yeah. And with you and your daughter, it's like, here we are. Yeah. And this is, we're having fun. <laughs> I will not be getting plastic surgery because I'm taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> To have the perfect selfie. <laughs> no, that is not the, us. And they're beautiful <laughs> photographs. They and, are really beautiful photos. Thank and everyone you. will see that. But it, there's a genuineness. When you go to your daughter's friends' homes, let's say, um, or you're just like out in the world and have to interact with people that aren't your clients, how, how do you handle their mess? Like, does it bug you? I don't. I don't. I handle mess I get paid to handle. <laughs> I don't handle other people's mess. But it doesn't bother you. I mean, it's not to that point. I mean, because if you want to, if this is how you want to live, this is how you want to live. She's saying that as she judgmentally looks around my (laughs) podcast studio. (laughs) Lies, all lies. (laughs) There's nothing in here but walls. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, more times than not, because of what I do, people always apologize for yeah. their place looking a mess or something. You know, and my feeling is because catch me on a bad day if I'm super busy or it's the holidays and whatever, and I have stuff all over the place and you come in and it may be, a, you know, a temporary mess if you don't like the way it looks and you can get out. It's like, bye, Felicia. I, you don't need to be there in my space. So I don't sit there and judge somebody else how they want to live, how they want to be, because that's their choice. Okay. I want to talk to you about, I guess it would be boundaries, because what you're saying is like, this is who I am. If you're not into it, leave. I feel like you've, what's really refreshing also to have the opportunity to work with you or just get to speak to you is that you're very black and white about like where you stand about things. So how can some of the rest of us be more like that? Because I feel like you're very direct, and that's probably why you are so good at what you do. And in your previous jobs, like as an office manager, let's say, like just be clear cut, but there's nothing like weirdly emotional. It's just sort of like this is the way it is. And some of us could work on that. Well, probably part of it is being a New Yorker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But – I don't know. When you ask a question like that, I think it's more a personality thing. So, you know, what creates your personality? You know, like all of your experiences in life. You know, if you go back to scientific things, some people say that your personality is uh, created at the point of conception, which seems like crazy that cells have a personality. But maybe it is true because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're pregnant, you you... Babies do different things. You have one that's really crazy and doesn't sit still and one that's just chilling until they're actually out breathing air. Definitely. There have been so many studies yeah. about that. And it's so fascinating to me. The Just obviously the nurture versus nature thing, but also, yeah, that some children are born hypersensitive to their surroundings. It has nothing to do with the parent. And yet then the parent will walk around thinking they've done something wrong, that their child is so agitated. Or a child will come out of the womb like a little yoga baby, Mm -hmm. and the mother will think it's because, you know, she read all that poetry to her belly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Uh So, yeah, I I mean, a lot of it is genetic. God, do I see my great-aunt Ida. I see so much of my great-aunt Ida 
in Sabrina, mm. and it's amazing. And then even the other night, Sabrina was in bed, and I do this thing where I, like, uh, put my knee – when I'm laying down, I'll put one leg kind of up, and I'll prop my knee on the other leg, so it's like a – looks like a four, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure there's a more articulate way to say that. But I walked in her room the other day, and she was doing that. And I don't think like she. I do it usually late at night. Like uh-huh. it's not something she would have picked up from seeing me do, but it's right. just like in her body, right? Like it's just crazy. a comfortable position yeah. for her to naturally be in. I'm just sort of in awe and uh, jealous <clears throat> that you have this quality because I feel like raising your daughter, you know, when you're interacting with babysitters or or other employees of yours or just in life, like that must be so freeing to just be like, this is where I stand. And this is all cool. And there's nothing emotional about it. We don't have to get weird. This is it. Well, I mean, it's good and bad because at some points it could be good. But then, you know, personally, somebody's got to really get that, you know, when some people don't really get that. So mm. it's not, you know, so it may push people away also. Yeah. You know, so right. it depends if on used to be- if people can, someone else can handle that, you know, because. It's funny because I'm a super sensitive person and I really. Uh, appreciate it. Like, I'm drawn to that. That's interesting. I've, yeah, I have very bossy friends. So, what about like when relatives come to visit and they empty your dishwasher uh, and they put things in the wrong place? What would you say about that? Or how do we? Because sometimes I think, like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother because it'll just cause a fight with my spouse. If I start getting so particular about where things go. But see, that's the point, though, because things have to live where they live. Otherwise, that's when it gets disorganized. So if somebody, you know, it's there's a difference between spouse and somebody just coming right. to visit because obviously the spouse lives there. And it's like if they want it's an a organized- lot easier for me to throw my husband under the bus than to like start <laughs> talking about relatives visiting. And I think that's why I made that U-turn. But continue. <laughs> Well, I mean, but the spouse, because there are, it's funny because at times working with clients, they're like, so you're a marriage counselor too. And I'm like, yeah, well, a little because you have opposites attract and, you know, one may be Mm -hmm. messy, one may be not, you know, whatever. So it's just different dynamic. But, you know, if somebody wants to live in an organized space, then they're going to have to put things back where it goes. On the other hand, when, you know, friends, family, whoever come to visit and they're helping, quote unquote, say, if you're going to help, then please put them where I w- where they live, where they belong, instead of just putting them where you think they should go. Because this is how we do it in our house. See, again, it's that black and white thing. It's like, either do it right or don't do it. <laughs> or go to a hotel. <laughs> but yeah. Or don't yeah. empty the dishwasher. Don't do it, yeah. I will yeah. do it then. Like, right. don't, because then they're just really creating more work for you because you're just going to have to go and move everything around. Okay, so longtime listeners, you will appreciate that Robin has printed out her own notes for this interview, and you'll appreciate it because you'll remember, like, starting, I guess, like, two years ago, Bianca and I, my co-founder Bianca and I would, like, laugh all the time because I would have all these typed out notes for the interview, and I still, I have my notes right here, and you have your notes right there. It's like a battle of the notes. So uh, do you have any fun facts for us, Robin? Yes. Okay. Did you know... That the average American home, or let's make it a question. How many items do you think the average American home has in it? How many items? Yes. Meaning even like a button? Yes, total. 
Five million. <laughs> okay, that's a little ludicrous. <laughs> All right, forget the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, like specks of dust? Like, uh... <laughs> No, not specks of dust. 300,000 items in the average American home. But when you think about it, it actually makes sense. If you think of every piece of silverware, every uh, sock, every piece of makeup, yeah. like when you think of all the different things, it can, I I totally see how that could be possible. For sure. I think I skewed so high because we just moved and we literally saw everything. <laughs> it felt like five million. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bajillion. Yes. And then since we're geared towards moms. Oh, yes. The average 10-year-old owns 238 toys. That's disgusting. And plays with only 12. And I always say, because that's always a big thing with clients, is kids' toys. And I always say, don't buy so many. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people don't know how to say no anymore. They really don't. And even with family, it's like you can say, no, don't bring my kids toys for the holidays. You know, do something else. There are 529, like things online that you can actually donate that $20 for that toy to a 529 account, which will be so much better spent in years to come because college will cost $5 billion. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, literally. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, pretty pricey now. So depending on how old your kids are, you know, it's going to be a good they're basically going to come out with a mortgage when they go to college if they have loans and stuff it will be making me go into labor right now (laughs) i don't do labor so (laughs) you're the organizing doula you're not my birth doula got it and uh so 3.1 this is another crazy fact 3.1 of the world's children live in america However, they own 40% of the world's toys. Almost half all of, of all the toys. Yeah, that's sad. Because I Although, always say we're an extremely overly abundant society. I feel bad that kids are like weighed down by that many toys. Because honestly, in other countries, I imagine there's probably so much more creativity with what you do have. But think about it. Even babies, give them a box and a, yeah, a wood spoon, and yeah. they are good to go. They're so good. Like, box. they could care less about all these gadgets and gadgets oh, yeah. and gizmos and whatever. The best piece of advice my mother ever gave me was I was going on a flight, and Sabrina was under a year old, and she was like, just get a cup of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and it totally entertained Sabrina for a very long time. That is funny. The U.S., has 50,000 storage facilities. And that's, you know how many Starbucks there are? That's five times more than the number of Starbucks in this country. And nobody even knows what they have in there. No. And they spend the the shows. (laughs) Exactly. And they spend tons of money for years and years and years. I'm so proud of us that we didn't do that. That literally they could have rebought what was ever in there probably 10 times over. Yep. We almost did it. We almost broke down and got a storage unit before we knew we were moving. And I'm so glad we didn't because I thought, well, I almost did. And then I found out how much they cost. And I was like, that's a crazy amount of money to spend every yeah. month. It, they're very expensive. It's also a racket because it's based on su- supply and demand. And not saying they don't ever have a purpose because they can have a purpose if you're remodeling or if it's short term, you know, in between houses. Right. Or you're you putting know. your house on the market and you got to clear it out. Yeah. There, it has a market, but it is it shouldn't be for long term, you know. It's not a personal locker for life. Yeah. 
Got not you. at the cost of it. Over the course of a lifetime, would you like it in hours or days? The number of time or the amount of time that people spend searching for stuff because they can't find it. Days. 153 days. That's probably low for us. <laughs> <laughs> Which equates to 3,680 hours looking for stuff that they can't find. Well, that goes back to your argument, you know, an organizer is not a luxury. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of time. In closing, I've got to ask you, this thing has been really bugging me. So we moved into our house and the washing machine that came with the house, the lid broke off on my watch, which was actually, thank goodness, because if the lid had just like busted off mm. when Adam had opened it, I would have been convinced that he had done it. You know, like <laughs> sort of like right. get yourself under control, manly right. man, and like be a little more gentle with our stuff. <laughs> but all I did was open it and the whole thing fell off. So then I ended up on the phone for over a week with oh, Lord. Samsung's repair company. They're supposed to call you that morning to give you that window the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't show up last Friday because they didn't have a part or something. And then they were supposed to come yesterday. And then I called them at 4 o'clock being like, hey, where are you? And they are like, oh, the guy this morning, the tech guy called and he canceled your order because they had called the old owner. Even though I had talked to these people so many times and given them the correct information. So I lost my mind. And basically, if I were an executive assistant to myself, I would have had to fire myself and, like, <laughs> admitted me into, like, anger management. <laughs> like, I'm like, how, Robin? Because I should say for our listeners that you do have a lot of clients that um, they hand you the keys, you pack up their home, and you either put items in storage um, or you move them to their new home. Um, you're dealing with people that have you know, all different kinds of scenarios come up where they have sick mothers that need help or whatever's happening. Or they're, Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think of it more as like, you know, a celebrity wants to go to Fiji for two months. So they give you the keys and then you take care of it. Sure. You deal with these people all the time that I find so, not these people, right? It's not the people, it's these organizations that I find so aggravating. Yeah. Because there's zero accountability. I finally learned that I have to write down like every person's name when I speak to them. But it feels like there's zero accountability. They don't care if if it ever gets taken care of. Like I make I made everyone so miserable yesterday. Adam was on a three-way call with me too. And then he got so mad, which actually made me feel like way more stable. Because I was like, oh, this is really <laughs> aggravating him. But at the end I go, I really, you know, I hope it works out tomorrow. Because I just like, I really hope you don't ever have to hear my voice again. <laughs> How do you stay calm and collected and move the ball forward when companies that you're dealing with have like, like this one had like a one and a half star and better business bureau. Like I should have known, but that was, but that's who Samsung sent to us for this repair. Like how, how do you keep it together? How do you not just like have a fit of rage (laughs) over sort of the ineptitude you know, it's really hard um, because there is no more customer service anymore because most customer service is an automated machine telling you to go screw off because you can't talk to anybody. So just even getting somebody on the phone is a luxury. 
Oh, yeah. I was on hold for 40 minutes yesterday. Yeah. Well, if you can even find somebody. Right. You know, if they even have that option anymore, because so many companies don't. Yeah. Which is just ludicrous, because I'm like, you had no problem talking to me to sell me this or to, you know, get me to buy it. But now when I have an issue, I can't talk to anybody. So it, I, I feel your pain because it's very, very frustrating. But um, I think part of it, you may have to threaten people, not so with give their me some life. Good threats. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean this sort of like uppity white girl thing I've got going on. No one seems to care. Like that's why I had a three-way call with Adam because no one cares. Um, no, it's like I threaten, you know, to sue or to call Better Business Bureau or whatever, because there's just, in general, there's no accountability for anything anymore. You know, people just put the blame. They don't care. They, you know, but yet people are all crying. I need a job. I need a job. Then do your job when you're at work. Do the job. And, you know, if that doesn't help, then sometimes you just have to get to the supervisor and look, I am really frustrated. X, Y, and Z, this is what's happening. I really need your help. I One thing that has uh, been working for me is I can tell in the first 30 seconds, basically, if someone will be able to help me. My old boss used to say, <laughs> it's the duck or swan syndrome. Because sometimes you get a duck right. that doesn't know what they're doing. And sometimes you get a swan. That is completely helpful and knows exactly what to do. So just keep redialing until you get a swan. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad to hear that you occasionally lose. Well. Oh, I lose my cool all the do. time. Okay. All the time. That makes me feel better. <laughs> oh, definitely. Okay. It's black or white. Remember, if it right. ain't black, it's white. <laughs> <laughs> There's a switch. And when it's flipped, Robin's going to get it done. But, you know. Look out. Look out. So can we talk for a moment about A to Zen, 26 Tips to Inspire Organization, your book? Yes. So I was inspired. (laughs) I, you know, I always find that um, people need a little bit of motivation. And that's really what it is. It is just a little book to, I call it a little gift book. It could be a little hostess book. It's a nice little stocking stuffer or whatever. But it's just a little something to keep you inspired and to motivate you to get to get and stay organized. It's A to Zen, which are, basically stands for the letters of the alphabet. So every there's a tip for every letter of the alphabet about something else to motivate you. And we can get it on Amazon or you can go to AtomicMoms.com and I'll have a link up there. You can also check out Organize to Harmonize on Facebook. There's a Facebook page that you can And that's like. with the number two. Oh, yes. I'm very glad you clarified that. And as always, please leave a written review on iTunes. It helps our ranking so that new moms can find us. Uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. The conversations with other Atomic Moms have been really fun on there. And until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.